Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the pastor here. And we're so grateful that you've joined us today. If you've come with family, if you're from out of town, we're so grateful you're here. If you're new in town and you're visiting our church, we're grateful that you're here. We try to put as many of our announcements in our bulletin so that you can understand what's coming uh, in every phase of life. And I encourage you to turn to your bulletin to the section called Radical Hospitality. We'd like to frame our announcements in our five practices of fruitful congregations. We do our very best to live these out, uh, and the more we talk about them, the better we get. The first of which is radical hospitality, and I want to tell you about visitor cards and prayer cards that are in your pew. If you would like to share any contact information with us, you can do so, and we'll contact you in the way that you share. If you would like to share prayer concern with us, you can fill out the card and place it in the offering plate as it goes by. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we have a number on the front of your bulletin that you can call and leave a message. Two people did that this weekend, and it works. I get there as quickly as I possibly can. You can also share a prayer concern uh, just in the life of the church that you would like us to share with our staff and Tuesday prayer group. Do that any week. Our pictorial directories are here. They're here. There's no more talking about it, and there's no more planning about it, there's no more changing them, there's no more saying that they're coming. They are, in fact, here. We do have um, one copy for every family that took a picture. That's where we have to start. And that isn't meant to exclude people that have come since we've done it, um, but it's just the nature of that contract that we had when we first begun. We can ultimately print as many as we want. And you, there's also an online feature for every single one of you. Uh, the Tuesday email that goes out, the Thursday email that goes out has a link at the very top. And if you say, what Tuesday email, what Thursday email, you can write our office and Leslie at memorialgreer.com. She'll put you on that email. You can pull it up just like you can our paper directory. You're going to go, if you want to, directly out of the service and go into the social hall and they'll have it categorized by name and um, you can pick yours up and you'll be on your way. Um, but as I said, the digital one, as we gain new families, as we take more pictures, as we get more contact information, we can change it and it will change on that version. Uh, so I think that will be very helpful to you. The contact information in the back is accurate. That is uh, such a blessing to everyone. Uh, and I encourage you to take a look at that as well. We believe in passionate worship. And I have an announcement of which I don't yet know. Uh, the details, Ms. Carm Hudson passed this morning. Um, her family was surrounding her this week. There was a, a great deal of love around her and, and being there. Um, the, they will meet with um, Wood this morning. And the service is expected to be Thursday or Friday here. Um, but make sure that you pay attention to uh, all the ways that we send out information to make sure exactly when that will happen. Um, we have poinsettias that each of you uh, generously bought in someone's name, and you uh, can take them home if you'd like to enjoy them for the season. We ask that you first take these home so we can keep the tree as long as possible. If we have enough people take them, uh, we'll see what happens. But you can take them tonight, today. You can take them Christmas Eve. Um, our very own Jim Mitchell is a member of the 9 a.m. band, and he created a CD uh, this year, and it's a Christmas CD. There'll be a link. There already has been a link uh, in the Tuesday, Thursday email, and I encourage you to find that uh, in that email and listen to it. It's tremendous. Um, Harper Sestito's baptism is today. And as we have um, been accustomed to do lately, there's a form in the bulletin which you can share uh, thought with that family. 
don't get uh, panicky that it has to be something complicated or something deeply theological. It can be something, a friendly message to that family. It's right in your bulletin. You can fill it out and you can place that in the offering plate as well. We believe in intentional faith development and um, we're off of that um, through the end of the Christmas break and we'll be back in January. We'll have all sorts of announcements for children, youth, and adults. We believe in risk-taking mission and service. Um, if you have a jacket of any size uh, that's high quality, if you'll bring it to the church, we will make sure that it gets to someone who needs it. We encourage you to do that. And we believe in extravagant generosity. You'll see a section in the back of your bulletin that tells you exactly where we stand. We're grateful to so many people who have given uh, that have not pledged. Uh, about a fifth of our budget is unpledged gifts. And we thank you for doing that. Um, uh, the other four-fifths is pledged gifts. And we encourage you to uh, note where you are before the end of the year. Um, we're grateful to all of you for your generosity. It's been an amazing year in what we've done. Um, if you look at the prayer garden, it's, it's different again this week. Um, the mulch is down and it looks beautiful. I encourage you to go by there if you go that way um, for a pictorial directory. Very quickly, about next Sunday. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. We have one 10 a.m. because it's on a Sunday. We have one 10 a.m. service that's in our gym. That will be in the style of that 9 a.m. service. We're going to treat it like it's the fourth Sunday of Advent. There will be two different messages at 10 and 5.30. Um, and normally we would have that fourth Sunday and then have a Christmas Eve service. The 5.30 service here in the sanctuary will be a Christmas Eve service. Um, we welcome you, uh, we encourage you to attend both. Um, we won't have a nursery in either because we want everyone to be able to join and we do not care if your child is wiggly. We don't care if your child is loud. We don't care if they drop the crayon. In fact, we want them to be here. Um, we, we encourage you to be here. There's one change, and I know it's different, um, Christmas Eve. Um, communion will be served from 4.30 p.m. to 5.15 p.m. And Don uh, and his friend, remind me of your friend's name. Don and his friend David will be playing at portions of that, and then they will play at 5.15. I know um, as we come in, we want to hang out with each other, we want to chat. It'll be, it'll be different this time because we'll be coming into communion and then you'll be coming into the music. So I encourage you to come in, um, I won't say reverently, but as quietly as possible so that you can enjoy um, what's being offered on Sunday. So if you have any questions about that, make sure you ask our church office um, and we encourage you to come at 10 a.m. and 5.30 p.m. That's got to be enough for you to absorb in one sitting. Uh, so let's stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 224. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'm going to do that. If y'all will have a seat. That's, I do that, and that's my fault. If the Curvorce family will come up for the lighting of the Advent candle, and if y'all will look for the liturgy on your bulletin. Thank you. Oh, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the harp, O God, my God. It is getting closer. 
The days are shorter, but the lights burn brighter. We have gathered together in the house of joy. We are here to praise God with beautiful music. Today, we light the candle of joy. We worship God with exceeding joy. If you'll please stand as you're able for our first hymn, number 224. Thank you, Kerbos. be seated. I want you to turn now to page 39 in your hymnal. As a member of United Methodist Congregation, one of the great joys is you participate in our sacraments through your support. Page 39.
Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. I present Harper Renee Sestito for baptism. Fun fact, first ever hospital visit I made at Memorial was to the Sestitos, because they had just had Emma. Uh, so that um, the connection to this family, it's fun. I ask you all on behalf of the whole church, do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord, in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? We nurture this child in Christ's holy church, that by your teaching and example, she may be guided to accept God's grace for herself, to profess her faith openly, and to lead a Christian life. Congregation, we now turn to you. Do you, as Christ's body, the church, reaffirm both your rejection of sin and your commitment to Christ? Will you nurture one another in a Christian faith and life and include this child now before you in your care? Please join me in the thanksgiving over the water. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the dark waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those in the ark on the ark through water. After the flood, you set on the clouds a rainbow. When you saw your people as slaves in Egypt, you led them to freedom through the sea. Their children you brought through the Jordan to the land which you promised. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Tell of God's mercy each day. In the fullness of time, you sent Jesus, nurtured in the water of a womb. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. He called his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection and to make disciples of all nations. Declare his works to the nations, his glory among all the people. Pour out your Holy Spirit to bless this gift of water and she who receives it, to wash away her sin and clothe her in righteousness throughout her life, that dying and being raised with Christ, she may share in his final victory. All praise to you, Eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever. Amen.
Harper Renee Sestito, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Oh. Let's say hey. The reason United Methodists baptize infants is because we understand that God loves us before we ever do a single thing. Before we ever respond. God considers us and loves us. One day she might learn that. She might learn it from one of you. She might learn it from one of the staff. She might learn it from her parents and grandparents. She might learn it from every single one of us because we all made a pledge to teach her. Such is the blessing of infant baptism. And particularly in this season, I don't know if I've ever had a baptism this close to Christmas. Think of God wanting to make sure that a nation was set right and that the king, the one who was to come, was as fragile as a baby. Doesn't that say a lot about God? And a lot about our calling, our purpose, our meaning. She might learn from her big sister. We're going to all place our hands on her and Aaron too. Harper, the Holy Spirit work within you that being born through water and the Spirit you may be a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ. If you look at number 16. Members of the household of God, I commend this entire family to your love and care. Do all in your power to increase their faith, confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love as members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church. We renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. If y'all will turn to page 611, we're going to sing verses 1 and 3.
Our first scripture reading for today is from the book of Psalm, chapter 95, verses 1 through 7. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. His hand, in his hand, are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Oh, that you would listen to his voice today. This is the word of God for the people of God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for this wonderful space in which we may come and worship you and find great peace. But we pray that as we gain peace in this space, you may help us to take it outside this space to a world that is lacking peace. Help us, Lord, as recipients of your grace and your mercy, of your joy in this service, to be bearers of everything good that comes from you to all whom we meet on the roads, in the boardrooms, in our homes. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen.
It's now time for our offering, and you can give as the plate goes by. If you have anything that we talked about this morning to place in the plate, please do. If you would like to give online, you'll see instructions on how to do so in the bulletin. And if you would like to rely on the generosity of our people, I assure you, they are quite generous as you decide.
be seated. Our gospel lesson today comes from Luke chapter 1, starting with verse 5, and it's on page 1587 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to read along. We love underdogs, don't we? Remember the movie Rudy? Everything that he had to do to make the team at Notre Dame. You remember those three women in the movie Hidden Figures? Everything that they had to do as computers to determine what could happen in the NASA space program. Mary and Joseph, people who overcome extreme odds with very little resources. That's often, in very, that's often very inspiring to us. Rarely told story is someone who has every resource in the vital place going through a time of transition. There's no underdogs today. There are people who are part of the establishment who are having their very life changed. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. In the time of Herod king of Judea there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you'd like to continue to read along, I'd encourage you to keep your Bible open. So this is part of the establishment. This is not happening in Jericho, not in Nazareth, not in Bethany. It's in Jerusalem. This is not a fisherman. This is not a tax collector. This is not a shepherd out in a field without much influence. This is a priest. This is not in a manger. This is not out by a well outside the city. This is not out in the middle of a desert. This is in the temple. A priest in the temple in Jerusalem who has followed God his entire life is about to go through a transformation. It's not a story we often read in the Bible. And he's got a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. The pinnacle of his profession. A career spent in service to God and to a people who believed that God was in one place in the temple and that only a few sort of people could go there and only once in their life. It was proximity. You know, when we see someone famous or someone powerful, someone important, we want to draw close to them, as close as possible, maybe even shake their hand, maybe even get their autograph. We get the sense of proximity, but a lot of us in our faith structure picture God as everywhere. In this structure, God is in the temple. And Zechariah has total proximity. And guess what he has to be in that space at that time? Perfect. Because this is such a critical moment. And he's got so much on his mind to get this exactly right for this wonderful honor. When I was 29, 
I was given the chance to do the Bible study at annual conference in front of uh, five, six hundred people, every United Methodist representative from every church in the state of South Carolina, all gathered in one space. And at 29, I thought, this is the most important thing I've ever done. Maybe the most important thing I'll ever do, was I was thinking at the time. And as I was preparing to go up, they were doing a couple of announcements and announcing who I was. A person came who knew me and sat down beside me and asked me a couple of questions. And I thought, not now, not this second. I'm about to do something critically important. Keep that thought in mind. Verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his birth. Many of the people of Israel will bring back, he will bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is well along in years. Smart man. Smart man, the way he phrased that. The angel answered, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their proper time. That's quite an interruption. And God often interrupts people in the midst of the thing that they are doing, whether it be a thing to do with God or a thing that has nothing to do with God. God interrupts people. And the number one phrase in the Bible, when someone is given a task, is a three-word phrase. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Is exactly the phrase you hear when you know it's time to be very, very afraid. He said, You're going to draw, he's going to draw the people of Israel closer. He's going to follow in the footsteps of amazing prophets. Later on, when Jesus is actually in ministry, and he asks his disciples and followers, Who do people say I am? One of those people is Elijah. Just like someone sees a young NBA star today, or a young NFL star, or a young baseball star, and they compare them to a star of old, they see something in them that compares to that person, he says, your son, who you didn't even know you were going to have, is going to be very close to Elijah and will draw people to him. And something I've never noticed in 17 years of reading this text, he says he will turn the hearts of fathers back to their children. That's interesting. And as we've looked at um, job descriptions here, after we've hired eight people, 
We look every time and say, okay, we're asking you to do this in this realm, this in this realm, this in this realm. That's an awful lot to ask a person. Can they do that? And every time we hire a new person, we look at the balance of that person to this person and say, okay, we're going to put you in this region of our church. Can you handle it all? How about we're going to draw the people of Israel closer, people who have been conquered and divided and broken? You're going to follow in the footsteps of one of the greatest prophets that's ever been. And you're going to draw families together and fathers home to their children. That is a lot to ask. But guess how much of that Zechariah heard after you're going to have a son. Who knows? He told me at 39, you're going to have a son. I wouldn't hear much after that. Much less 49, 59, 69, 79, 89. We're not certain how old he was. You're going to have a son. We don't know how much he heard. Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In those days, he has shown favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Do you know how long he didn't talk? Ten months. Mothers who've been around expectant fathers, what if they couldn't speak for ten months? How did you feel about that? For ten months, he could not speak. I'm guessing then for ten months, he could only listen. He could only prepare. He could only help because he could not speak. And there's a phrase there that's so critical. He returned home. See, at 29, when I was about to do that Bible study, I felt as if I had done the most I could possibly do in a church. I was in a new church restart and two years into it. And we had had total success. Prior to that, I was an associate in a church that was a long way from home. And in that church, with a highway that was a long way, with lots of traffic in Charleston, I didn't go home enough. I didn't know to go home early in the afternoon. I just stayed there all the way through the meeting. I grew up with sisters that were 8 and 11 years older than me, so by the time I was in the third grade, they were gone. My parents worked hard. My dad was a real estate agent. He was gone most Saturdays and most Sundays. I lived a pretty quiet, isolated, not sad, but isolated life. So I wasn't accustomed to being around a ton of people all the time and sought that silence and that solitude and that peace as often as possible. So when my children were their youngest about the Sestitos, I was gone the most. And when I went to that new church start, and a couple of months after I did that Bible study, we started having conflict that none of us could predict, of which both sides had a point that drove us all insane. 
and I was not home even when I was. You, you, does that, does that um, connect to you? Take work home with you? Even when I went home, I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about how we got there. And I was thinking about how to get around it. And anything but my family, I did not return home. I was just fortunate enough, just lucky enough to go to Buncombe Street in 2011, only six years ago, and meet a pastor who taught me that famous line that's in Rudy, there is a God and I'm not him. There is a God and I am not him. He would say, go home. If you ask my staff the number one instruction that I've given them since they've been here, go home. It says he returned home from the pinnacle of anything he could ever do or be, lighting incense in the temple, in the presence of God. We didn't hear what happened. You notice that? We didn't hear if he followed through. There was nothing about the liturgy. There was nothing about the worship. There was only going home. And somehow, when Buncombe Street was only a quarter mile away from my home, and I learned that, when I came here, I improved even on that. And my home is only 300 yards away. And can walk home. It's significant. Now your story is obviously different than mine. Your family is different than mine in all sorts of ways. But I wonder what this phrase means to you in this season for your family that's scattered all over. What would it mean for you to return home physically, mentally, emotionally, in a season that presses you away in all of that. The people outside were waiting. The people outside were devoted followers. The people outside were hoping for a vision for the future about religion and from him. He was told to go care for his family. And that his son would do an amazing thing. So the conflict that you feel, the separation that you feel, the pain that you might feel with whatever direction I'm talking about with your family, I'd encourage you to hear this word today. It doesn't have anything to do necessarily with being a parent and a child. It has to do with family. To care, to love, and to hold. He returned home. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you'll stand as you're able and join me with our final hymn, number 246.
May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the power, and the presence of the Holy Spirit go with you all. Amen.